The second point I think also is very, very important, uh, and that is that baptism is always our response to the gospel. Uh, we see this very clearly in, in the book of Acts. A passage where this becomes very clear is in Acts chapter 2, uh, 37 to 38. Uh, here Peter says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? An honest question. They wanted to get saved. They asked Peter, what should we do? And here comes the answer. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He, just, he didn't say, repent, and if you want to, you can also get baptized. No, he said, repent and be baptized. Not possible to separate those two. If you choose repent, you have to also accept baptism, because those things is kind of just like in Mark, it says those who believe and are baptized will be saved. According to Peter, repent and be baptized and you will be saved. We see the same also in Acts 8, 36 to 37. This is a very interesting passage where Philip is preaching the gospel. And he says, uh, or it says in Acts 8, 36 to 37, now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And Enoch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? So here, this guy, he is asking Peter, basically, what do I need to do in order to get baptized? So Philip said, If you believe with your whole heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he asks Peter, what, do I, what, what is required for me to get baptized? Peter says what is required is that you believe with your whole heart. That is why it is meaningless to baptize babies. Because even though all children, I believe, are the children of God, a little toddler cannot respond to, to the message of the gospel. I would say he already is a child of God. Uh, all babies, I believe, are, if they die, they will be saved, they will come to heaven. But a little toddler cannot really believe in his whole heart because he cannot respond to the message. He first have to grow up, become of that age where he can listen to a message and can choose whether he wants to accept it or not. Um, so, so I think this Acts 8 is a very important. If you mentioned in the beginning, I was talking about what we should look at is what does it require to be baptized? Well, P, uh, Philip answers that here. Believing with your whole heart. That is what is required. Some Pentecostal, they have a whole list, you know, of holiness that you need to attain to before you can get baptized. No, that's not biblical either. According to the Bible, what is required is that you believe with your whole heart. It doesn't say if you have lived a whole week without sinning, well, then you can get baptized. Or if you are holy enough, then you can get baptized. Or if you are good enough, or if you have gone to a baptismal course. No, it says if you believe with your whole heart, 
then you can get baptized. We see this through the whole book of Acts. You can go through the whole book of Acts and you will see that every single time baptism is mentioned or people are baptized, it is always as a response to the gospel. Uh, Acts 2.41, we, we read Acts 2.38. Acts 2.41, it says, those who gladly received his, his word were baptized. So they gladly received the word. The response is, be baptized. Acts 8.12, that we just read, uh, or this is actually before the Enoch, uh, when Pil Philip is in Samar Samaria. It says in Acts 8.12, But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. When? When they believed. That's when they, how to say, took the decision. Acts 10, 47 to 48. Uh, here the gospel is being preached for the first time to the Gentiles. Uh, and, P and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They start to speak in tongues. And Peter says in Acts 10, 47 to 48. Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. He didn't say, now if you want to, you can be baptized. No, Peter, he was very you know, frank and bold with them. He commanded them. Now you have become saved, now you get baptized. Uh, no, how to say, pity party or being trying to be political correct. No, he was just straightforward. You have gotten saved. The next thing we need to do, you need to get baptized. Acts 16.33, uh, it says that, And he took them uh, the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his family were baptized. This is when Paul and Silas were put in jail. And if you know the story, uh, the jail starts to shake. Um, the jailer, he gets saved. And it's interesting that even before morning, they got baptized. In, in other words, it was so important for Paul that they got baptized that he couldn't even wait till morning. The same night they needed to get baptized. Acts 18.8, it says, Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. They heard, they believed, they were baptized. Acts 19.5, it says, this is when Paul finds these believers that was uh, baptized with the baptism of John. It says, and when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. So you see, all through the book of Acts, it comes again and again and again and again that th the pattern is you hear the message, you receive it, and as a confirmation that you have received the message, you get baptized. In, in, in one way, you can kind of say that, you know, baptism uh, in the book of Acts, baptism is kind of uh, the same as we would use the Lord, uh, 
the prayer of salvation today. When people want to get saved today, we will lead them in a prayer of salvation. And when they have prayed, we will say, well, now you are saved. In the book of Acts, they didn't have a sinner's prayer, but they had baptism as a way to confirm that you wanted to be uh, saved. The third thing we see that the Bible teaches about baptism is that baptism is a burial of the old. And I think this is also a very interesting point, especially if you want to look at uh, baptizing babies or adults, because the Bible never teaches that we become the children of God in baptism. But the Bible does teach that baptism is a burial of the old. A little toddler doesn't need to bury the old. There is no old to bury. To, to bury. So we read this, for instance, in, um, in uh, Romans 6. Because really when you read uh, the Gospels and the book of Acts, we see a lot of time that people baptized and we see how, we, how they did it. We, we can read that it always came as a response to the message. But it doesn't really teach why we should get baptized. Uh, when we start to read the letters of John or the, the epistles, also Peter, then we start to see why it is we should get baptized. Uh, Romans 6, 3-4, it says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism unto death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. So we see here that he talks about baptism as a burial. Burial of the old. Um, we see the same in Colossians 2, 11 to 12. It says, In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. So we see here again that baptism is being buried with Christ, and when you come up of the water, you are being raised up, like symbolically, to walk in a new life. So spiritually speaking, baptism is you are burning the bridges to the old life. I heard a very interesting testimony uh, of the reality of this uh, by David Pawson. Uh, he had, uh, there were some people in, uh, in Holland who had gotten, uh, they were best friends when they were, when they were younger. When they were younger, they were best buddies. They were always together. Then as they got older, they went to different schools. And so kind of their, their ways separated. At a certain point, one of them decides, I wonder what happens with my friend. Uh, we were really best buddies before. I, I think I should try to seek him up and maybe see if I can find him. So he tried to find him, but he, couldn't, he didn't know where he had moved, and many years has passed. So, how to say, he, he was not able to find him. Now, this guy, he was not a Christian. So he had the idea, 
I'll go to a medium and I will ask, you know, the medium or the clairvoyant person if he can contact the spirit or do some kind of, you know, I don't know, voodoo stuff or something to try and find my friend. So he went to this lady and it told her and she, yes, I can, I can do that. And she started to do her thing and suddenly she became very serious. And she said, yes, uh, I found your friend, uh, but he's dead. And this other friend, he was crushed. What do you mean, dead? Yes, I can even tell you the day when he died. So she gave him that, uh, the date where, where he had died. And this friend, he was crushed. You know, oh no, my friend, he had died and I, and I didn't know about it. And he was, you know, this was really heavy on his heart that his best body in the younger years had died. Then suddenly, one day, as he's walking in the city, he sees his friend. His friend come walking right towards him and he goes like, what? You're supposed to be dead. And he was like, what? You're supposed to be dead? I'm not dead. And, and then he kind of explains the story that he had been searching for him. He didn't know how to find him. He had gone to this, uh, this clairvoyant or this medium and she had done her thing. And she had even given him the date when he died. Now this friend, he had become a Christian. So when he heard this, he was kind of curious. So he asked his friend, what day was it? that she said that I died. So he, he told her uh, the day that she, told, that she had said that he had died. And suddenly this friend who had become a Christian, he goes like, wow, that's the day when I got baptized. And w when I heard that, like, wow, that is the power of baptism. Because that day when he got baptized, his old life, got buried. In other ways, there was nothing, how to say, the devil lost his hold on, on him because the old man was buried. And it's kind of interesting because when you look at Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, he talks about that the people of Israel, they were baptized as they went through the, the, the Dead Sea. Uh, Interesting point here, you know, when they were in Egypt, they were still the people of God. I mean, they, they were the people of God all the time when they were living in slavery, when they had come out of Egypt, they were still the people of God, but they were not safe. Why? Because there was nothing separating them from Egypt. So the, the army of Egypt could come and get them, and they tried. But when they went through the Red Sea, suddenly there was a barrier between them and the old life. A lot of people, they are Christians, yes, they have received Jesus, but there is no barrier between them and the old life. So yes, you could say they are saved, but they are not safe. Why? Because they are still carrying on the old life. They, are, they, they haven't burned the bridges to the old and because they haven't burned the bridges there is still a hold on them and I remember many years ago in Denmark we were there came a, a guy to us who wanted to get baptized and he had been struggling with uh, 
pornographic dreams. And he was a Christian and he didn't want these dreams. And he was really, you know, praying to God to take away these dreams, but they would come again and again and again. And he was kind of, this really bothered him. Uh, he was baptized as a child. Uh, and he really strongly believed that, but then he had heard some teaching that me and a friend had been doing, and suddenly his thoughts started to change that maybe I need to get baptized. So he came and get, got baptized, and the same day, all the dreams were gone. Why? Because there was something that needed to be broken in the spiritual world and when we get baptized i'm not saying that you that how to say you get saved and baptized or that the devil never can bother you again after you get baptized but when you get baptized there is a separation that happens where the devil no longer has the same hold on you anymore why because your old life has been buried and it has been gone into the water, and the one who came up of the water, spiritually speaking, is a new person. And we see this other places also in, in the Bible, that baptism is a separation point between you and the old life. Peter talks about this in 1 Peter 3, 20-21. Uh, he says, uh, To those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes the baptism that now saves us, saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, Peter here, he is, how to say, drawing from the story of Noah and the water. Now, was Noah in contact, in, in fellowship with God before the flood? Yes. That's why God could talk to him about building the, the ark. But Noah was not safe. Why? Because he lived in an environment where sin was flourishing. The world kind of was very close to him. So when he got into the boat and he got saved, did he get saved in the sense that he became in relationship with God or he became a child of God? No, he already was that. But he got saved in the way that there was now something separating him from the old world. When the water came, there became a separation, a before and after, where no, no longer could the old world catch him or take him. Why? Because the water separated, separated him. And that's what we see many places in the New Testament when it talks about baptism. We see that it is a separation between the old. It's a burial where the old life is being buried uh, and a new life is raising up. Uh, it talks about the people walking through the Red Sea as an analogy. They were still the people of God in Egypt, but they were not safe. Why? Because there was nothing separating them from Egypt or from the world. It talks about Noah. He was still a child of God before the flood. But after the flood, there was a separation between him 
and the old sinful world. That is why I believe many Christians are struggling with sins and things that are binding them or with curses. Why? Because they haven't got baptized. There hasn't been this separation. I believe in baptism, there, there is an enormous power of breaking curses that maybe are there from the past or sins or things you have been struggling with that are being broken when you are being baptized. Again, it doesn't mean that you will not have no more problems after you have gotten baptized. I mean, the people of Israel, they still had battles after they had uh, been baptized. But Egypt, which is a symbol of the world in the Bible, Egypt had no control over them anymore. Egypt was not a danger to them anymore. Why? Because there was a Red Sea that was separating them. The last point I want to take is that the Bible teaches that in baptism we are putting on Christ. Paul talks about this in Galatians 3, 26-27, where he says that, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. So he says that in baptism we are kind of putting on Christ. Just like in uh, Romans 6 as we read, the, the, the going into the water is like a symbolic act of identifying ourselves with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. In Galatians, Paul says that in baptism, we are kind of clothing ourselves with Christ. There is a lot more we, we could have said, and, and maybe we will, we will do some questions and answer, uh, question and answer session. Uh, might be that we do that next time. But I, I just want to stress this issue that in the Bible, baptism is never an optional thing. Nowhere in the Bible does it indicate that baptism is optional. Even though maybe there are scriptures that talks about salvation without talking about uh, baptism, still we see in the Bible, it's very clear uh, in the passage that mentions baptism, that there is no separation here. If you get saved, then the expected response will be that you also get baptized. And that should be exactly the same today. Why? Because we are reading, we, how to say, the same Bible. The Bible, the, the Word of God is the same at that time as it is today. If the first Christians needed to get baptized, why shouldn't we need to get baptized? If those who received Christ on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, if they needed to repent and be baptized to be saved, why shouldn't we need to get baptized today? Of course we, I mean, the Word of God doesn't change. Baptism is not an optional thing. Baptism is an essential part of, of being saved. Um, yes, I think we will end it there and then maybe we'll have some question and answer in, uh, in the next session. Amen.